Hello everyone and welcome to Always Choose Orange. This week's episode is called The Glory Days and we're going to be looking at how we as creatives can respond to the feeling or external opinion that our best work is behind us or you know when people say things like I wish you still made things as good as X or Y or Z. Why aren't you still doing that? And the episode was inspired by a trip I made to Warp Tour in 2014. So this was, you know, a few years after the sort of decline of in popularity of post-hardcore, emo, pop-punk, punk. I still like those genres of music. I just don't really listen to them much anymore, aside from nostalgia purposes. Just remembering those days driving around with my friends in high school, all the good times. Um, yeah, just every once in a while, tapping back in and celebrating those good times. And that's honestly how I even felt by 2014, uh, when Jackie and I decided to go to Warp Tour that summer. And we arrived at the festival, walked in, looked at the big board where it shows, you know, when all the bands were playing on, and on which stage and all that stuff. And we saw, you know, pretty close to the beginning of the festival, I believe. Um, it's been, you know, gosh, I think a little less than 10 years now. But uh, somewhere near the early part of the day, uh, Yellow Card was playing. And so we, we kind of looked at what else was playing. We're like, yeah, let's go. Let's go see Yellow Card. That, that sounds awesome. We walked over to the stage that Yellow Card was playing at and we started watching their set. Now, a few things about Yellow Card. So, um, Yellow Card formed in 1997 and, uh, you know, I guess they're considered mostly like a, a pop, punk, pop punk band, um, kind of emo, kind of punk, um, kind of alternative, I suppose. They, you know, after forming in 1997, they were gaining in, in popularity and by 2002, uh, they got signed to a major label and they released their debut album, Ocean Avenue, in 2003. And the song Ocean Avenue completely blew up and just sort of skyrocketed them to being played on mainstream radio and just having a lot of hype. And that Ocean Avenue record, you know, is still hailed by some people as, you know, a quintessential pop punk record that's that's pretty celebrated and, um, you know, I, I love that song. Still, still love that song. It's a fantastic song, um, and, and the rest of the, the the album is pretty good too. But for all intents and purposes, um, to people outside of the pop punk scene, Yellow Card was often seen as you know a one hit wonder or maybe a two or three hit wonder. So naturally, with that being the case. Um, I'm sure they had some diehard fans in the crowd, but a lot of the crowd was people who just wanted to hear them play Ocean Avenue and then wanted to move on and go see another band. So Jackie and I were sitting there watching Yellow Card play, and you know how you can just tell when you're watching a band on stage whether or not their heart's in it? We were watching Yellow Card play and their heart wasn't in it. It didn't seem like they were having fun. It seemed like they, you know, perhaps were taking themselves a bit seriously maybe they were frustrated with the crowd honestly you know we don't know what was going on maybe they just had a bad day maybe they were going through personal stuff right we, we have no clue um, but regardless of whatever the cause was they just were not having a good time and a lot of people in the crowd you know weren't moving they were just standing still people were yelling play Ocean Avenue and um, they were getting frustrated um, at least it seemed like that um, from the crowd standpoint and Finally, after playing all of these songs that just nobody in the audience cared about, they ended their set by playing Ocean Avenue. But even when they did, 
it, it just kind of felt like an obligation. Oh, this is something we have to do. Why does everybody think this is our best song? We have so much other material. You know, there was kind of this energy of please take us seriously as a band. And, and that makes sense, right? Nobody wants to be liked and respected only for having one good song. And I'm not saying Yellow Card only had one good song. They have a lot of good songs. But that particular song just resonated with so many people and so many people love that song. And so it was just kind of a weird feeling walking away from that stage being like, oh, that was just not enjoyable to watch. And right as Yellow Card stopped playing, uh, the stage next to it, we could hear uh, Bowling for Soup start playing. So Jackie and I were like, oh yes, we need to go see this. So we walked over to that stage and started listening to Bowling for Soup set. It was the exact opposite of Yellow Card set. Bowling for Soup was fully aware nobody is here to see us play anything that we've released recently. They want to hear all of our hits from the early 2000s. So let's just lean into that. Like, And so they kicked off their set with Almost, which was a very popular song that used to get played on, on the radio. Um, they went through a couple other songs and then they played, you know, Punk Rock 101, which is another classic uh, pop punk song. Um, and then they, at some point in the set, they did like a photo moment where they just played like some backing track and they all like put their arms around each other and just posed for, for photos in the front of the stage. And they were just smiling and joking and basically becoming like a parody of themselves. And... And they, they did this like funny monologue about how people always come up to them and ask, you know, how the royalties are for the song Stacy's Mom, which was actually by Fountains of Wayne, not Bowling for Soup. Um, people just used to get confused. Um, and so they made all this joke about people come up to them, coming up to them and asking about how the royalties were. And they're like, yep, nope, not, no royalties, not our song. And then they proceeded to play a cover of Stacy's Mom and they were laughing and everybody everybody was enjoying it. The crowd was going nuts. It was, you just couldn't stand there and not have a huge smile on your face. And they ended their set by playing their two biggest songs, Girl All the Bad Guys Want and then 1985. And it was, oh, it was so enjoyable. It was an absolute delight. But the whole time there was just sort of the sense of you know, we're not going to try to fight this. We're just going to own it. We're going to we're going to lean into this view that people have of us as sort of this band whose time has passed. To me, the value of a story like this is that it shows so clearly the two extremes that an artist can have when people, you know, are feeling like their best work is behind them. And regardless of whether or not you have been in this particular situation, obviously uh, most of us listening, it would have been on a much smaller scale. I think it still applies. And I think we you know, can all feel like sometimes, was that one thing I made as good as it's gonna get? What's gonna happen now? And there's this question of what do I do with that? Because on one hand, you have sort of the yellow card approach, which was keep making stuff, keep pushing the art, try to fight and ignore the thing that brought us to this point and the thing that people fell in love with. And then there was the Bowling for Soup side, which is the complete opposite, which is, yeah, we're still going to keep making stuff, but 
we're just here to help people have a good time. And if people really resonate with our old stuff, let's just lean into that and let's lean into it to the maximum. Let's fully embrace it. Let's make it a big to do. Let's, you know, embody the whole thing. And like I said, I think both of those are very viable responses to, to that phenomenon. But, you know, as I think about, as I think about it and just reflect on it, I really like the artists who are in the middle where from the very beginning of their career, they make part of their public persona the fact that they will always artistically evolve. Um, because then your fans will follow you no matter what you do. And you can take risks and you can be creatively fulfilled while still not denying the thing that made you successful. When I think of artists who fall in this category that I've enjoyed over the years, I think of people like The Beatles, I think about Brand New, I think about Bjork, I think about Lady Gaga, I think about Kanye, I think about Kendrick Lamar. A lot of those people didn't do what we expected them to do. They just followed their interests and made the album that they wanted to hear. Heck, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, those bands did that, um, where very early in their career, they drastically changed their sound, and not as a gimmick, but because they wanted to try something else. And that's so important, especially for um, those of us who really enjoy trying new things. And, and honestly, on the flip side, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing the same thing over and over again. If you like pop punk and want to just keep making pop punk songs, keep making pop punk songs. That's awesome. You know, I think of like ACDC, right? Like ACDC does their thing really, really well. I don't want to hear ACDC make a reggae song or a ska song or try to rap or whatever, right? Like they need to stay in their lane. So I think one of the questions to ask in sort of the wake of this conversation is, how do you see your art? Are you someone who likes to follow different styles and different tugs and kind of see where the shiny things will take you? Or do you find the most enjoyment and fulfillment in, you know, perfecting your lane and just saying, I like this one thing, I'm going to keep doing it over and over again. I know Pusha T, uh, the rapper, has been quoted as saying, you know, I want to be the Martin Scorsese of hip hop. I want to only just make cocaine raps and that's all he wants to do he doesn't want to do anything else he just wants to be lyrical and rap about selling coke and a lot of people love listening to Pusha T so in no way is this a knock towards that style of artistry um, yeah it's all about just looking at how you want to approach it and if you ever do find yourself in a position where you've made something that's resonated with a ton of people, like Yellow Card, like Bowling for Soup, I think the first thing is just always remembering to be grateful for that. Wow, I had the opportunity to make this thing that so many people love, and so many people had it mean something. What a gift that is. And then, you know, deciding for ourselves, do we wanna fully embody that almost to the point of parody and satire? Do we want to fight that and try to fight really hard to be seen as something else? Or do we want to have that spot in the middle where we kind of take 
the best of both sides and 